want to welcome you to day four of our look through Romans chapter 16 and daily drive time devotions. We're going to be looking at verses 21 to 24 today. Paul begins some greetings in these verses, some very simple greetings from the people that he was with to the people in Rome. And this, again, is a section of the book of Romans that often gets ignored. In fact, maybe even more ignored than what we read earlier, the greetings that Paul gave to Rome. Here we come to the end of the book, and many times when people get to the end of one of Paul's letters, it's almost like uh, it's almost like the credits at the end of a movie. When you go to a movie and the credits start rolling, everybody gets up and leaves, and by the end of the credits, there's no one left in the movie. We get to the end of one of Paul's letters, we think, well, he said this before. These are the kinds of things he says at the end of every letter. And so our, our mind sort of checks out, and although we're reading the words, we don't really see what's there. Well, the value of a study of the Bible together is that I, like you, am forced to look at these verses a little bit more closely. And when you do, of course, there's great meaning in them. And so Romans chapter 16, verses 21 to 24 says this. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. And then verse 24 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, before looking at these names, we should really look at verse 24 first, because if you're looking in many Bibles, you'll see verse 24 just has an asterisk and there's, there's no words there. So we should talk about that. In fact, this is one of a few verses in the New Testament where you'll see that. It's not there in many Bibles. Does that mean that somehow I can't trust the Bible, that there are some verses that don't belong in the Bible? What is this all about? How did this happen? Well, there are some verses that were included in the numbering of the original King James Version where the verse was not in the original Greek manuscript. The manuscripts they had in that day had a, a note that they put in as a verse, but in the original Greek manuscripts, those were not in that manuscript. There was nothing heretical in these several verses in the New Testament where this happened. They were just comments like this that weren't there in the original, but that were in King James' day thought maybe to be a part of the Bible. We've discovered more, and now we know that those verses weren't in the original. Some people look at that, and it really bothers them. They think, wow, can, can I have faith in the Bible then? Well, of course you can. In fact, it says to me you can have even more faith in the Bible. You have faith in the fact that good, strong study has gone into what is the original New Testament. What is the original Old Testament? And then a translation of that. If Christians were trying to hide things, they'd pretend that this never happened. And we'd go ahead and put verses in and we'd pretend the original was always there just because there happened to be a verse number. But we have enough confidence in God's word to realize that although the Bible is perfect, it's absolutely perfect, translators are not. And since the days of the King James Bible, there have been literally hundreds of new manuscripts found. And with this great confidence that we have in the originals, we can have a strong, strong idea of what the translations are. How do I know, by the way, that some translator just didn't slip in today some verse that's not supposed to be there or some words that aren't supposed to be there? Well, here's how you know. Translations of the Bible today are done by a hundred or so people. There may be 90, there may be 100, there may be 120 translating something like the New International Version or the New Living Translation. And so these scholars get together and compare translations to make sure it is the most accurate to what was originally written, because everything we're reading today is a translation of the, of the original Greek. By the way, these scholars who translate these Bibles for us, their ministry is a little recognized in the church today. 
but it is of incredible worth because there are so many of them and because they work together with such great tenacity, such hard work and faith, I'm able to pick up a Bible today and read it with the strongest confidence that it is expressing to me in English what the original Greek said. I took a while to talk about that, but I know it's a question a lot of people have, so I wanted to answer it. Now to the parts that I really want to look at in Romans chapter 16, verses 21 to 24, the names. Paul talks about the people that were around him that sent greetings, and he starts with a name that's very familiar in the New Testament. He talks about Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. There are two books written to him in the New Testament, so obviously a very familiar name. As you read this name, Timothy, it is significant to remember that Paul surrounded himself with many others who were seeking God's will. It's also significant to remember that Paul and Timothy were very different men. Paul's problems came because he was bold to the point of being brash sometimes of pushing people away. Timothy was a different man. His problems came because he was gentle to the point of being timid, and he had to fight that in his life. Here's the amazing thing. Paul didn't need to become a Timothy, and Timothy didn't need to become a Paul. They just both needed to see how God could turn their weaknesses into strength because God had made them both differently to have different ministries and a different impact on the world. Timothy's listed here. And then in verse 22, it says, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Paul obviously allowed him to pen this in his own words. Tertius, by the way, means three. It means third. It was a slave name. Oftentimes in the Roman Empire, the slaves were named simply by numbers. Oh, you're number one, you're number two, you're number three, you're number four. In the next verse, we're going to see a quartus, and that means number four. As you hear that name, Tertius, you ever feel like you're just a number? Maybe at work this week? Maybe in the world? Just one of the billions? Here's a guy who could have felt like just a number. His name was a number, and God used him. God used him to write down the book of Romans. Paul usually had a scribe because he had some kind of physical problem that made it difficult for him to write. It might have been a vision problem. We don't know for sure, but for whatever reason, he usually used a scribe. And Tertius was the scribe for the book of Romans. That meant that as the Holy Spirit revealed these perfect words to Paul, he had the privilege of writing these perfect words down. You ever feel like you're just a number? when you're going through the details of life, doing the details of life, just going through the paces you feel? You think this isn't that important, it's just a a small thing? Here is a man, Tertius, who in the details of life, simply writing down words as Paul said them, here's a man who in the details of life did the most significant thing in his life. You're not just a number. God knows your name. God has a plan for your life. So you read through Romans 16, In verse 23, Paul mentions three men, Gaius and Erastus and Quartus. It's interesting to notice the different levels of society that these men came from. Gaius was apparently a leader in the church. He talks about the hospitality that the whole church enjoyed. And he may very well be the Gaius in 1 Corinthians 1.14 that Paul won to Christ and was a leader because of that. And then he talks about Erastus, who was a leader in politics, the city director of public works. And then he talks about Quartus, who was probably another former slave, a leader in the church, a leader in politics, a former slave, all together in the family of God. The good news reaches to every person. It reaches into every strata of society, and it breaks down the divisions, the walls that separate us. It's good news that Jesus Christ can use you to make a difference.
It's good news that the good news has reached me so that I can hear and that my life can be changed. As we pray today, I'd like to thank God for the fact that he has a plan for our lives. You might just say, Jesus, I thank you that I'm not just a number, one of the billions in this world. I thank you that you know my name. You have a plan for my life. Forgive me, Jesus, for those times when I think I have to do some great noticeable thing, some large thing, some big thing, to really serve you. Serving simply means I do what you ask me to do. And sometimes, like Tertius, it's in the details of life that I might end up doing, unbeknownst to me, the most significant service in my life. And so, Jesus, help me to know today, what is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to serve? What small thing could I do, maybe that no one else notices, but that you could use to make a difference in someone's life, that you could use to make a difference in this world? Help me to know today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to end this chapter, chapter 16, and we're going to end our look at the book of Romans with a look at verses 25 to 27. 